0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the spin cycle podcast. I'm your host Kiara McKinney and we've got a lot to talk about today. The VMAs took place last Sunday and it was full of excitement and drama and we're going to be downloading all of that from Young Gravy and Addison Rae's mom all the way to Taylor Swift's new album and everything in between. So buckle up for a good episode. So before we actually get into the VMA madness, I want to talk about a couple different things that also happened during the week that kind of got overshadowed by the VMAs. Number one, Brittany's 22-minute voice note that she uploaded and deleted from YouTube, and also the Olivia Wilde Don't Worry Darling controversy. Those are two things that definitely need to be addressed. So First, let's talk about Britney's voice note. So Britney actually recently deactivated her Instagram account and has been updating fans through her Twitter. And without any comment, she tweeted the link to a 22 minute verbal account of her experience in her conservatorship and basically wonders how they got away with it. She mentions that she's had lots of opportunities to be interviewed and go on television and share all of the things that have happened to her and whatever's on her mind. But she feels basically like she doesn't want to get paid to share her story. Um, she wants to be able to tell it on her own. She details how scared she is of judgment and how sensitive she is to the comments about her and assumptions made about her. She was really young, only 25 when she was Put under the conservatorship and she talks about her friends calling and texting her wanting to see her and not really being able to she says quote I honestly still to this day don't know what I really did but the punishment of my father I wasn't able to you know see anyone or anything you have to imagine none of it made sense to me she talks about her experience getting 51 multiple times, which if you're not aware, basically a 5150 allows a person with like mental disabilities who may be a threat to themselves or others to be put on a 72 hour psychiatric hospitalization, and they can be held in the hospital against their will for up to 72 hours. What's important to note is that it's basically up to 72 hours it doesn't have to be a full 72 hours so if she goes in there she like takes a nap and then wakes up and they talk to her and she's fine then she could theoretically go home so it's not necessarily them like detaining her for three days specifically it's holding her up to three days to like determine what to do with her from there but she talks about how the SWAT team showed up at her house and she was just so scared they held her down none of it made sense and she said At the time, the extent of her madness was playing chase with paparazzi, which is still to this day, one of the most fun things I ever did about being famous. She said, I don't know what's so harmful about that. She says, I know now it was all premeditated. A woman introduced the idea of a conservatorship to my dad and my mom actually helped him follow through and made it all happen. It was all set up. There were no drugs in my system, no alcohol, nothing. It was pure abuse and I haven't even really shared half of it. And I also want to give a shout out to one of my favorite podcasts right now, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. They've done a few deep dives on Lynn Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears' books, and they were really insightful. I learned listening to those podcasts that she was put on Lithium, she was put on Seroquel, which I actually take, (laughs) which... Honestly, Saraquel is mainly for people with, like, bipolar disorder, which she has been said to have. I think it's weird that a lot of famous people get diagnosed with bipolar. It seems like there's some, like, underlying stuff there. But I also think somebody put on uppers and downers all the time and, like, basically speedballing all the time can exhibit bipolar tendencies. But anyway, she was being drugged with Seroquel, which is for people with schizophrenia and bipolar. That's not what I take it for. I take it for OCD. She said that throughout the conservatorship, she did four and a half tours and recorded Circus, Femme Fatale, Britney Jean, and Glory, and took on her piece of me residency in Vegas for four and a half years. The saddest part of this message to me is the quote, my performances I know were horrible. I even wore wigs. All the dancers were doing all these nice, sexy head flip turns and I had conditioner treatment in my hair and these little caps over my head because I was just a robot. I didn't give a fuck anymore because I couldn't go where I wanted to go. I couldn't have the nannies that I wanted to have. I couldn't have cash. It was just demoralizing. I was kind of like in this conspiracy thing of people claiming and treating me like a superstar, but yet they treated me like nothing. I think that part is really powerful. And I know that, you know, Brittany has a very odd, like, speech pattern. And I think that's because she spent a really significant amount of time in her life alone. That's kind of my theory. But I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor. But it's really sad to me that she's like, all these people are like blowing smoke up my ass, but it really just was smoke. Like, they were also treating me like a slave. I mean, in a lot of ways, I see Britney's situation as like a legal version of human trafficking. I really don't understand how these people got away with this. It's really sad. Um, She says that making her Glory album started to give her hope. And she said she started to get her spark back. Quote, I remember recording Glory and for some reason, I think producing and making music, I just got the fire back in my eyes for some reason. I was at the end of recording Glory and my son named it. And things kind of started taking a turn because I started getting more confidence for myself. Um, Later she says, you have to understand it was 15 years of touring and doing shows and I'm 30 years old under my dad's rules. All of this is going on and my mom's witnessing this and my brother is witnessing and my friends are witnessing and they all go along with it. And then she details the like small moment that led to her being sent away again after her Vegas residency. She says, quote, I was supposed to do a new show. I went to the rehearsals and I said no to a dancer. It was like, no, can we do that? I don't want to do this. I just remember everything got really weird the next day. I was told that I had to be sent away to a facility and that I was supposed to say on my Instagram the reason is because my dad is sick and I need treatment. I was crying and I was like, why are you guys doing this? She threatened to go to court and he said, you're going to lose. And again, like this is just so sad. I remember this moment because I was actually supposed to go see Britney in Vegas at like that year. So it was like crushing to me. (laughs) And I remember her citing that like her dad was sick. And then that's kind of when the free Britney movement started to like fester. I don't think it really gained momentum until a few years later. But that's when I first saw people being like, No, they're forcing her and like she's still in that conservatorship she doesn't get any of her money all these whispers were kind of starting to happen around that time she talks about how they monitored what she ate she'd work from eight o'clock to six o'clock and then sometimes at nine o'clock she'd be able to watch a movie and she credits the Free Britney movement for everything. She said, quote, the whole thing that made it really confusing for me is these people were in the streets fighting for me when my sister and my mom aren't doing anything. To me, it was like they secretly honestly liked me being the bad one. Like I was messed up and they kind of just liked it that way. Otherwise, why weren't they outside my doorstep saying, baby girl, get in the car, let's go. I think that's the main thing that hurt me. I couldn't process how my family went along with it so long. I am really happy for Britney. I'm glad that she feels finally like she can speak out and she's like really trying to find her voice and yes she is a little bit kooky and yes she kind of has the inflection of a younger person but they say that um, the age you become famous at is where you become stunted so that would make her like 16, 17 mentally. I love that woman more than anything and I wish only good things for her for the rest of her life. I hope she doesn't feel pressured to put out a memoir Because allegedly she is doing so, but, like, it was delayed because of, like, paper shortages or something. But I kind of hope that that doesn't even happen because I don't want her to feel like she has – she owes us an explanation. Because she doesn't. And I love that she just, like, keeps reminding us of the the fact that she's on a journey to self-love, like, abuse victims – internalize all the things that are happening to them and they think that they're happening to them because they're bad and they're happening to them because they can't ever do anything right and that they deserve everything that happens to them and it seems like Britney really felt that way for a while and it seems like that kind of contributed to some of her mental health struggles in addition to the fact that she obviously like had no control over anything that happened in her life and I think anybody out there criticizing her needs to just shut the fuck up and you know, go play in traffic or something. <laughs> That's how I feel. Okay. Moving on to the Don't Worry Darling drama. Okay. So luckily both People and Cosmopolitan put out like a complete timeline of the Don't Worry Darling drama. So I'm going to be using both of these articles. The Cosmopolitan one was written by Mira Bonner and the People article was written by Carly Bentlin. So shout out to them. For making this a lot easier for me because it is kind of a lot of information. Essentially, Don't Worry Darling is a psychological thriller directed by Olivia Wilde and it stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. And Olivia is also in it in a supporting role. Shia LaBeouf was originally cast as the role that Harry Styles ended up taking, um, which will come up later. And According to this article, filming for the movie began in October 2020 and lasted through February of 2021, which as an aside, it always blows my mind how quickly movies are filmed. I can't believe people film movies in like three or four months. I'm like, how does this not take like years? Anyway, December 9th, 2021. So in the midst of filming, in an interview with Vogue, Olivia Wilde starts talking about how she wants to make a movie about good sex and she's like why isn't there any good sex in film anymore? She wants the audience to realize how rarely they see female female hunger and specifically this type of female pleasure. Now this is an important take because Florence's idea of the sex scenes is completely different than Olivia's. So Florence gave an interview to Harper's Bazaar in just a couple weeks ago, and she indicated that she is not so happy with the movie being, quote unquote, reduced to the sex. And she says, quote, when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone, it's not why we do it. It's not why I'm in this industry. Obviously, the nature of hiring the most famous pop star in the world, you're going to have conversations like that. But that's just not what I'm going to be discussing because this movie is bigger and better than that. And the people who made it are bigger and better than that. So that's an interesting point. But I think what I want to point out is that a lot of the relationship between the two people, the two protagonists, is somewhat abusive and toxic. So it's really weird to like emphasize the sex instead of the like complicated relationship. But, so that was recent. Going back in time to July, oh yeah, July of this year, fans started to notice that Florence was posting about a different upcoming movie that she is in called Oppenheimer on the same day that Olivia started posting a bunch of Don't Worry Darling promotion. And so people started speculating that there was drama way back then. And then also in July... That's when sources started to allege some on-set drama. A source told Page Six that Florence was unhappy with Harry and Olivia's relationship, which began on set of the filming. And it's important to note that, like, Olivia Wilde was still married to Jason Sudeikis, and they had children together. And Jason and the children would, like, come to set in the beginning. And then that allegedly made people feel uncomfortable that her, her, that her husband and children were visiting her at work while she was like clearly like hooking up with Harry. Apparently they were all over each other and a lot of other sources. But it, it should be noted that a lot of other sources happened to alleged differently that Jason and Olivia were already broken up and that he was just like bringing the kids up to see her, but it wasn't really about their relationship. But I personally do not believe that. So very recently, as in like a week ago today, Olivia claims that she fired Shia LaBeouf and she says... Quote, as someone who is such an admirer of his work, his process was not conducive to the ethos that I demand in my productions. He has a process that in some ways seems to require combative energy, and I don't personally believe that that is conducive to the best performances. I believe that creating a safe, trusting environment is the way to get people to do their best work. Ultimately, my responsibility is to the production and to the cast to protect them. That was my job. And here's my beef without theme statement, Olivia. What do you mean that you believe in creating a safe, trusting environment when you're literally hooking up with one of your cast members? I like, if she was a man, if she was a man and Harry Styles was a woman, this would be seen as like something really shitty. It would be a scandal. But because she's a woman and she's like, is she British? I don't know. Regardless, just because she's very, like, posh and she's one of those, like, Hollywood starlets that's just, like, because of her face considered to be sophisticated, she's just, like, allowed to do what she wants. This is white woman privilege at its finest. It's, like, it's just annoying to me that she's talking about, like, trying to make everybody feel comfortable and safe when clearly Florence did not feel that way. And that was completely disregarded, but it seems like maybe Shia pushed back on something, considering she's not, like, an experienced director. So that's what it sounds like to me. Love your cat, but hate dealing with their litter? It's time to try pretty. But of course, she couldn't shut her mouth about the sex scenes in the movie, and she got some backlash. And here are some of the tweets about her from fans. Stephanie Sotero tweets, Cannot handle the secondhand embarrassment of Olivia Wilde, obviously doing her interview before Florence Pugh's came out and fully proving her point about her being entirely focused on the sex scenes. Like, Olivia talks so much about the sex and Don't Worry Darling, it's in Variety's URL. This other fan account tweets, Florence Pugh, I wish everyone would just stop focusing purely on the sex scenes. This film is way more than that. Olivia Wilde. And it's like the Variety <laughs> the variety uh, tweet linking to the interview saying, Olivia Wilde discusses her approach to focus on female pr- pleasure in sex scenes. And don't worry, darling, men don't come in this film. She declares, only women here. Which also dumb, like... So then Shia LaBeouf accuses Olivia of lying. And he comes with receipts. Shia sent messages to Variety detailing his correspondence with Olivia around the time, sending a copy of the email he wrote her after the Variety interview saying, in part, quote, you and I both know the reasons for my exit. I quit your film because your actors and I couldn't find time to rehearse. Which is interesting. Shia claims that he quit on August 17th, 2020 and sent a video to Variety, which has been leaked, where Olivia tells him, I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. And I, too, am heartbroken and want to figure this out. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake-up call for Miss Flo, and I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us. If she really commits, if she really puts her mind and heart into it at this point, and if you guys can make peace, and I respect your point of view, I respect hers. But if you can do it, what do you think is our hope? Will you let me know? Which, woof. I feel like, listening to all of this, I just feel really sorry for Florence Pugh. And then The Rap reported that Florence will limit her Don't Worry Darling press to just one appearance at the 2022 Venice Film Festival premiere, and basically another source provided that Florence and Olivia had several disagreements, personally and professionally, and that's why Florence isn't doing any press for the movie. So bringing all of this back to the VMAs, Olivia did not attend the VMAs with Harry Styles People were hoping that they'd make their red carpet debut together, but they didn't. But he actually didn't show because he was performing at MSG in New York City. And the couple is also like extremely private about their relationship technically, but like not really. I guess it also should be noticed that like I am not a Harry Styles girl. I really don't understand his appeal. I don't love his voice. I hate his face, and to me all his music sounds the same. I also don't get the way he dresses. I don't think it's like hot or cool. I think that it's like very like Rolling Stones or like Kiss. Like it's very it's like peacocking to me, and I just find it gross. I'm married to a man who wears like the same three pairs of shorts and three golf shirts every single day. And that's how I like my men. I don't want men to know anything about fashion. And that's just me, especially if they're white. I digress. So let's talk about the VMAs. A couple who did make their red carpet debut together is Addison Rae's mother, Sherry, and Young Gravy. I'm going to say that again. One couple that did make their red carpet debut together is Addison Ray's mother, Sherry Easterling, and the up and coming rapper, Young Gravy. Now, I literally only know Young Gravy's music from TikTok. I didn't realize that he was like real, basically. But Addison Ray, also of TikTok fame, is unfortunately having to witness both of her parents act like absolute buffoons on a national stage. It is really sad. Um, I feel really bad for her. And it really, it all started with her dad. So let's go back in time just a little bit. So on July 7th of this year, a story broke from page six that Addison Ray's dad, age 46, allegedly, quote, misled a 25-year-old into having an affair. Monty Lopez had a five-month relationship with a 25-year-old woman named Renee Ash. And Renee claimed in an exclusive interview with Page Six that Monty led her to believe that their alleged relationship was more meaningful. Quote, unfortunately, he misled me on his marriage. He lied to me, claiming that Lopez told her his marriage to wife Sherry was over when it wasn't quote, he told me that we were going to have babies together. He even introduced me to his mom, his youngest brother, and I thought we had something real. He told me a story of his marriage that convinced me that they were apart and in the process of getting a divorce, which like, woof. I think being the side chick and then being introduced to family members is so diabolical. Like, I really can't imagine, like, once you meet the family, you assume that you're like the only one that is meeting the fa- that is around the family. Like, I really, I can't believe that. Like, I'm Addison Ray has to be angry with like her grandparents and her uncle too. Like, I just I feel so sorry for this girl. And you'll see why even more. And then some TikToks went viral where some girls came out and were like, Addison Ray's dad's trying to fuck me, like, he's in my DMs, blah, blah, blah. And this 25-year-old woman says, I loved him, and I believed him, and when I found found out about the other young girls, my heart broke. Um, She said she's really remorseful, and yeah, she feels really bad for Sherry, Addison, and also they have two boys, Enzo, who's 14, and Lucas, who's 8. She shared lots of receipts, including screenshots of texts. So that is how all of this kind of started. But then here's the irony for me. In the wake of the cheating allegations, she emphasized her kids being her first priority. She says, quote, personal matters being brought public are always challenging and overwhelming for anyone involved. Also ironic. She says, I'll be okay. My biggest concern is and always will be my children and their fragile hearts and minds. I will always do my best to protect them liar. So at the VMAs, Sherry appeared with young gravy on the red carpet and they made out the whole fucking night. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. They never confirmed their relationship status. Um, but young gravy has, I've seen him in an interview recently say that he and Sherry were quote involved. So I'm guessing that they're just like seeing each other right now, but that red carpet thing was bananas and then they were there were pictures of them like in the audience making out while people were presenting awards all very uncomfortable and then sources close to Addison who is only 21 says that she is mortified by the drama surrounding her parents her sources and her reps are like not responding to any comments she's not talking about anything but This quote from a source close to her says, Addison has seen her parents go through a lot of ups and downs over the years. Everything going on right now has been particularly overwhelming for her. Which, of course, and then going back to her mom's statement that her children's fragile hearts and minds are what she's thinking about, obviously not. When you're dating somebody who is closer to your daughter's age and your daughter is a public figure and, like, she already had to endure her dad embarrassing her. And now her mom's embarrassing her. And I just feel really bad for her. I am not like totally anti-age gap. And like, I do think that, you know, we've talked about this before on this podcast, that there are right ways (laughs) to engage in age gap relationships and wrong ways. And I think A lot of that has to do with the children involved. And if your children are, like, close to this person's age and they are not okay with it, then, like, you need to listen to them. And I also particularly think that if your kids are, like, this famous, that it's just really unkind and I just feel like it's selfish, I think it's really selfish, and I I think if she were just, like, a suburban mom who was, like, doing something like this, I'd be like, go, girl. Like, yeah, get that, get that hot young dude. Like, fine. But because they're famous and only, like, kind of famous, and her daughter's the one that's famous, not her and all of this, like, that all just rubs me the wrong way. It should be noted that Kris Jenner's boyfriend, Corey Gamble, is actually like the same age as Courtney. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not unheard of, but I do think that like it's different when your children are in their 40s and you're dating somebody their age versus in their 20s. So, um that's just my two cents, but it was really weird. If you haven't heard about all this drama, I highly recommend the Page 6 article about it and it links to some other relevant articles from there. So, I'll put that in the show notes. So now I want to talk about Lizzo and her acceptance speech. She won the Video for Good Award, which I don't really understand what that means, but (laughs) that's what happened. And when she took the stage, she thanked fans for voting and discussed the importance of voting for change and reminded them to vote to change oppressive laws in our country. And then she made a pointed remark, which was reminiscent of... Nicki Minaj calling out Miley Cyrus at the VMAs. She said, people who got something to say about me in the press. And then she said, like, Miley, was good? So Lizzo did her own version of that. She said that some people had things to say about me in the press. And then she decided to say like, you know what? No, I'm not going to say anything because guess what? I'm winning and big girls are out here winning. So while you're talking about me, I'm winning, which I loved. I think that that's like the perfect response to people shading you. And Lizzo's the queen of that. Lizzo is truly the queen of responding to criticism and hate with like poise and like thoughtfulness. When she got backlash for a word used in one of her songs, she immediately changed it and like, just was like, thanks for calling me out. Love you. Bye. And then everybody was like, all right, we're all good. (laughs) And like here, you know, she's getting hate for her size, of course. And just as an, just as an aside, if you don't know this about Lizzo, that woman is an athlete. (laughs) First of all, she is literally vegan and I have seen her perform and the girl dances. She sings live. She plays her flute. I mean, she is a performing artist and she posts videos of her workouts sometimes and they're no different from mine. You know, like she lifts weights and she drinks smoothies and she like, she exercises all the time. She's very healthy and some people are just bigger and I'm tired of people acting like anybody who's fat is like going to die young. Like (laughs) she's an athlete and she's like kind of a health nut and people need to leave her alone. Anyway, so the remark, if you're wondering where that came from and what she was referring to, she was talking about some guy who's allegedly a comedian named Aries Spears on a like podcast or something was making some fat phobic comments about her. She, he said something like, she's got a very pretty face, but she keeps showing her body off. Sister, put the eclair down. This ain't it. It's treadmill time. So again, I don't get it. She's an athlete. She's a vegan. Leave her alone. Um, on Twitter, she shared her speech and said, Keep my name in your mouth because I know it tastes good. <laughs> so again, she's just like the best at receiving backlash and like knowing how to how to pivot or how to respond. And I think it was great of her to like not give this guy really like any publicity and like not say anything because he's a loser. I don't know who he is. So he must be a loser. <laughs> okay. So I personally found it interesting that Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox were not there. There's speculation that they've broken up, which does not surprise me and really shouldn't surprise anyone because for the last several months and anything that they're pictured in together videos, she's so over him. She's so clearly like does not want to be around that man. Sources close to them are saying that they're still together, but the rumors are really swirling. And I think the fact that they did not show up to the VMA says a lot. They've been spotted together, but I don't really think that that He does refer to her as his wife, which I find odd. But here are a few reasons why people believe them to be broken up in addition to the absence at the VMAs this year. One of the big reasons is that Megan has not posted MJK on her Instagram since May. However, of course, like he's been on his tour since early June, but you would think that, like, because they're twin flames or whatever, that she would maybe post some pictures on the tour. I know Kylie Jenner definitely does that when she like goes with Travis or like visits Travis Scott. She always posts pictures of it. So I think it's kind of weird that if for him to like be on tour and her not to make any comments about it. And then the last time that he posted her on his feed was in late June when they attended the premiere of his documentary Life in Pink, which don't even fucking get me started about the fact that this stupid man has a documentary. What is there to talk about? Like he had to like pay for that out of pocket or something. That's insane to me. So stupid. (laughs) And also her last public comment about her relationship was... Also during the premiere of the documentary and at the event, she told E! News that she had a very unique question to her partner when she was first getting to know him, which was, were you breastfed by your mother? I'm just going to pause so for you to let that sink in. Because she went on to explain that it was a great question because it has a lot to do with your psychology and your temperament, which is fucking annoying because I was not breastfed by my mother. And I know I rant a lot on this podcast. I might go off on people on the internet sometimes, but I am not like a violent, angry, like <laughs> destructive, negative person just because I didn't breast. But I will definitely be on ring watch for them um, to see if she's still got that rock on her finger or not, because I really don't think they're still together. And I don't really know why they're trying to act like they are. And finally, we've arrived at the end of the podcast where I get to talk about our Lord and Savior Taylor Swift. She announced at the VMAs during her acceptance speech for Best Video, All Too Well, the short film, she announced that her new album is coming out on October 21st, and she said that there would be more details at midnight. And at midnight, we found out that her new album, I think it's album number 10, is called Midnights. And it's a collection of 13 songs, 13 being her favorite number, um, that were all written during like sleepless nights. And I think that's a really cool concept. I really like this idea of doing an album that's like all a theme and something that it's almost like a collection of essays or like a poetry book. It's like, it's co- it's a little bit more cohesive instead of it being about like all about one relationship or about like, cause that's how most of her albums are. It's like every one of her exes has an album essentially. And I like the idea of it being like less about one person or like one subject and it being more about a like broader theme. So I'm really excited. Um, I hope she has like a good party song on there cause I need one from her. The craziest thing about this is that like, Even, like, the Swifties across the internet, like, really weren't anticipating this. They announced that she would be appearing on the red carpet, or that she would be making a surprise appearance, and then, like, right after that announcement, she appeared on the red carpet. So there's, like, really no time for speculation. She really, like, outsmarted the Swifties this time. And normally, like, people on the internet have so many, like, theories, and they really try to, like, crack her codes So that's interesting that nobody saw this coming. I also think it's interesting that, or I'm also intrigued by the fact that in her like album cover photo, she's wearing a lot of makeup and she doesn't do that. You know, like it looks so different from her other album covers. And if you recall, like when Beyonce first announced Renaissance, I speculated, I was like, this is going to be totally different from anything she's ever done because The fact that it's called Renaissance means it's going to be different. And then we got a complete house disco album. So I was right about that. So I'm wondering (laughs) what it means that Taylor Swift is like taking on this like kind of like glammed up persona as opposed to her like apple pie American girl look or her, you know, even her like reputation look was still like a bare face. So it's really, it's really different from most of her covers, and I feel like that has to be significant in some way. She always has, like, red lipstick, or not always, but a lot of times she'll wear red lipstick, but she usually doesn't really wear anything on her eyes. And she's got this thick, like, blue, like, midnight blue eyeshadow on her eyes. And I'm like, who, who, who are we? It's very – it's giving Madonna. So I'm excited to see what it's like, if it's, like, a different genre. She likes to experiment. <laughs> so – We'll definitely dive more into Taylor's album when it comes out. And I'll keep you updated with the sagas that are Addison Ray's parents and Olivia Wilde versus Florence Pugh. I think those are going to be recurring themes on this podcast for the next little while. And also always Britney Spears. And if you haven't, stream Hold Me Closer. All right. That's all I've got. Love you.